I want to begin, uh, as we did last week, and just look at the end of chapter 3, please. Those last two verses uh, in chapter 3, they form the basis for the things that we see here in chapter 4. So let's just review this quickly. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, um, he says, uh, Paul, writing on, under inspiration, of course, he says, uh, for our conversation is in heaven. Do you remember uh, what that word conversation mean? What that underlying word has the idea of what? Citizenship, right? Uh, citizenship. For our, our real true citizenship, uh, we may be Americans, we may be citizens of some other nation, but our true citizenship uh, is in heaven. That's where we're heading. From whence also we look for the Lord, uh, sorry, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to return uh, from that same place. We understand that. And when he does, uh, verse 21 will happen. He, he uh, is the one who shall change our vile bodies, will be resurrected uh, and perfected, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, uh, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That's wonderful, amen. Uh, our true citizenship is in heaven. Uh, we're pilgrims, like those pilgrims that came to Massachusetts. It was 400 years ago, right? 400 years ago, uh, came to Massachusetts. Uh, our true citizenship is in heaven. We're, we're pilgrims passing through this world. Uh, our eyes should be focused on heaven. By the way, by the way, if you'll keep your eyes upon the Lord uh, and, and keep a lookout for his return, uh, that'll be a great help to us in days like these, amen? Let, that'll be a great help to us today, right? How easy would it be uh, to just be caught up in, and, and to be consumed with anxiety over all the things that we see in the world today? How easy would that be? It, went, it wouldn't be fun, but it would be easy to go there, right? There's just so many things that we could be so anxious and, and worried about today. Well, that's not God's plan for us. It's not his desire for us. He's made it possible for us to have peace even in the face of days like these and, and, and years like these. And that's exactly where I want us to go uh, here in, in chapter 4 today. Based on the fact that um, our true citizenship as believers, those of us who have come to Christ, is in heaven, and, and we have the hope of the return of Christ and the perfection of our bodies and an eternity with him because of Christ uh, and the cross, uh, we're, we've been called to live a certain way. We've been called to live uh, as people who have that hope. And listen, if, if we do, there's certain benefits, right? There's, there's certain practical uh, benefits for us. And I'll bring it right back to the greater, the greater hope, again, of being able to glorify the Lord with our lives if we'll take up the things that we see here uh, in verse 4 and practice them with the Lord's help. Now, I want to ask you this question this morning. Um, do we, do we wrestle with the temptation to worry and to be anxious, especially in days like these? Do we? Do, do, we, do we? we? We at least wrestle with that temptation, right? We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We, we just don't know um, about what will happen with coronavirus and the economy and, and, and different things. I know that God's still in control. He's still sovereign. Amen. I know that uh, I'm saved because I've repented of sin and placed my faith in Christ. I know that no matter what happens, I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? Amen. Right? Amen. Praise, praise God. There are certain things that we can know, uh, and these are things that we should focus on. These are things that we're, we're called uh, to be focusing on. So we've seen here a number of things, but what I want to do is, is, is skip right down to uh, verse 6 this morning. Verse 6. It is because of who we are in Christ and, and because of the hope we have in Christ that we can take up the Lord's prescription for anxious times like these, difficult times like these. Uh, I want to read just several verses, and I'm going to stop and pray, uh, and we're going to jump in here. Verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's promise. Verse 7, and the peace of God, P-E-A-C-E, -E, peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop right there and pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Father, this morning uh, for your instruction 
And thank you, Lord, this morning for your promises to your people. Uh, Lord, we've, we've seen here this morning that you've called us to be a people who know peace from you. Lord, I know this morning that'll be a great help to us, especially in days like these. But Lord, I also know that even more important than that, Father, if we'll take up your prescription for peace and know that peace from you, Lord, our lives will honor you and glorify you, draw attention to you, point others to you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we would take up this instruction and implement these things, yes, for our benefit, but ultimately for your honor uh, and for your glory. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you for your words. Thank you for each one who's come out this morning. I pray that you help us now, Father, to uh, grab a hold of, of just a few important things this morning. Uh, Lord, and to take these things and, and to put them to use, to put them into practice just exactly as, as you've commanded us to do. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to verse 6, please. Back to verse 6. Um, there's, there's three things here that the Lord prescribes. Um, and, you know, I generally say it this way, to, to help us respond to anxiety. Uh, we, we struggle with anxiety to varying degrees at, at different times. And and so the Lord gives us a prescription here. He, he, he shows us uh, what right praying about that will look like. Uh, he shows us to respond to anxiety, to worry some things with right praying, uh, and then right thinking, uh, and then right doing. So there's some things, ways that we should pray, some, some ways that we should think, and then some things that we need to be in the business uh, of doing, of doing. And I want you to see here this in, in verse 6. Aren't you glad for little people? <laughs> Aren't you glad for them? <laughs> Praise God for little people. <laughs> and, and children too. Your wife, your wife didn't hear that, did she? <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to, we'll, we'll um, purge that from the tape, Brother Garcia. <laughs> Verse 6 says, be what? What does that mean? Look, look, look at the word. I know we've, we've studied this verse before, but look at it again. If you read it kind of backwards, uh, it gives you the, the, the sense of the meaning of the word, filled with care. Uh, he's not saying be filled with care, be worried. He's saying be careful for what? Nothing. Look at that word, no thing, right? Nothing is no thing. Uh, the, the command here is, don't be worried, don't be anxious, don't be filled with care or worry about anything. That's the command. Now, is that an easy thing? That's not an easy thing. That's not an easy thing. And, and yet it is commanded. I, don't, I understand Paul's writing this, but it's God's words given to Paul, written down by Paul, and then preserved for us. He says this, the command is be careful for nothing, uh, no thing. Okay, that's the command. Aren't you glad this morning that God never gives a command without a way to obey the command? He, he never does that. He, he never gives us a command without a way to do that. I understand that we go back to the law and say, okay, well, the purpose of the law and the Ten Commandments was to reveal that we're sinners and need a Savior. I, I understand that, but this is different. This is a command made to believers, uh, New Testament believers, saved people who have the Spirit of God are commanded to not be worried about anything, nothing, no thing at all. And so as, as New Testament believers and dwelt by the Spirit of God, I know there's a way to do that if God is commanding it. And, and sure enough, he, he, he gives us the way. Again, it's going to be three things, right praying, right thinking, and then right acting, right, right doing. Now, I want, to, I want you to see this this morning. He says, be careful for no thing, uh, but, uh, so instead of being filled with care or worry, here's, here's what we need to do. He says, but in what? Everything. So it was no thing, now it's everything. So, but in everything, by what? Prayer and, what's the second word? Supplication. With what? This, maybe this could be a Thanksgiving message. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, I've been, over the years, we, we've really majored a lot on this verse and this passage. 
And I want to say this morning, I think that I have probably been a little too general in my teaching of, of this verse. Um, you know, I, I usually say this verse teaches us to do two things. And, you know, praying and uh, get, making a request known to God. And then what? Doing what? Giving what? Thanks. Right? So we see here a, a command to pray and to give thanks. Let your request be made known unto God. And th that is what it says. But it says pray, prayer and what? Prayer and what? Supplication. Supplication. Are they the exact same thing? If they were the exact same thing, brother, I don't think there'd be two words there. Right? They're, not, they're not the exact same thing. Uh, so we, we have a command here to pray. So if, if you're worried or if you're tempted to worry, there's a command uh, to pray, to prayer, and to make supplication, and to give what? What's the T word again? Thanksgiving. That sounds like three things, doesn't it? It sounds like three things. There's prayer and there's giving of thanks. Listen, it's all prayer, but there's three specific types of prayer that we see here if we study it carefully. And so uh, I want to look at that a little more carefully this morning. I've generally said just, just give your concerns to God and take care to do that with thanksgiving. Well, that's there, but there is a little bit more than that here. He says, uh, pray and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests uh, be made known unto God. So let's stop and ask ourselves this question for a moment. What's the difference between prayer and supplication? The Lord's used two words here. There must at least be some, some fine point of, of distinction here. Uh, we have prayer and we have supplication. Well, I'll submit to you this morning that prayer is a general word. Uh, it's a general word. And, you know, it, it at least implies a, a worship. Uh, when you pray, do you take time to worship the Lord? Do you do that? Did Jesus not teach us to do that? Did, he did, right? We're going to look at that in a moment. So the word prayer is a general word. It at least implies um, not just sort of downloading all of our needs, all of our requests, all of our worries, but it at least implies that there be some time taken to uh, come to the Lord worshipfully, uh, to take a moment and, uh, and, and worship and then bring our concerns, bring those things that we're either already worried about or tempted to worry about, uh, and then take care that there's a time of thanksgiving in that prayer as well. Now, thanks, give, giving thanks, uh, praising God and thanking him for who he is and what he's done and all, all the different things the Lord may lay upon your heart to be thankful for, is that not also kind of like a form of worship also? It is, right? Uh, it is. And so uh, finally this week, uh, after all these years of studying and preaching and teaching uh, this verse, Lord, the Lord made it clear to me that what you have here is something like a mini version of that model prayer that Christ taught. Do you remember? He, he taught, he taught um, worship and then pray about the specific needs that you have. And then in his model prayer, he stops at worship again, right? Do, do you remember that? He said, he said um, in Matthew 6, 9, turn over there if you would, please. Go over there for a moment. Matthew chapter, don't lose your place here, but uh, go on over to Matthew chapter 6 in verse 9 also. And let's just take a look there at the Lord's model prayer. I think what Paul is doing here is he's, he's basically encouraging that when we have worries that we not forget that Christ has given us a model prayer which begins and ends with worship and has a, a specific time of supplication or making requests kind of sandwiched in the middle uh, with, with um, worship bookending uh, the making of specific requests. Look at, look at, see there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Here's this model prayer, this outline of prayer uh, that Christ taught. He says, after this manner, in this fashion, not necessarily repeating it uh, rote from memory, but this is an outline. Uh, after, this after this manner, in this fashion, uh, therefore pray ye. He says, our Father which art in heaven. What does he say after that? Hallowed be thy name. Uh, this is worship. 
Uh, this is worship. He's, who do we address our prayer to? Well, specifically to God the Father. That's who Christ teaches us to direct our prayer to, specifically to the Father. Uh, he, says, he says, pray ye, direct your prayer to the Father. He says, our Father, uh, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, hallowed be thy name. Listen, this, this is worship. He's saying, Lord, you're in heaven. Uh, you're, you're high above in, in, in heaven. That, that's who you are. You're, you're God. You're, you're in heaven. You're, you're in the throne room. That, that's worship. He says, he says, hallowed be thy name. That, that's worship. Uh, Lord, Lord, I, I desire that uh, to give you the, the glory and honor and the, and the praise to your name that you deserve. And uh, Lord, I pray that others would do the same. This is worship. Uh, he's not asking uh, he's not teaching us at this point in the prayer to uh, ask for anything specific uh, for us. He's just, he's just encouraging that our prayer begin with uh, at, at least a bit of worship. Take time to acknowledge who God is, who you're praying to, what he's like. Take time to honor him, glorify, worship him. Um, it's not until you get down to verse 11 that Christ taught people to pray for their basic needs. Uh, he says in, in, in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that'd be example, an example of basic needs. I don't know if anybody here ever worries about food or having enough food, but uh, please remember Jesus specifically taught us to pray for that. Uh, pray for that. By the way, by the way, if, if you would make it your habit to pray regularly uh, about needs that you know you have, do you think that that would help you avoid a situation where you find yourself becoming very anxious about those things? Do you think? Do you think? I think so often we look at the Lord's Prayer and we look at this chapter in Philippians 4 and we say, that's the answer once anxiety has entered into our hearts and our minds. And it is. It is. Once you're in that place where you're worried, you're filled with anxiety, you're filled with fear, this is the answer uh, to, pray as, as, uh, to pray and think and do as the Lord teaches in Philippians 4. But, but wouldn't it be better to get ahead of that before you find yourself anxious and say, you know what, I, I know what my needs are and I, and I know what I, I tend to worry about if I don't stay prayerful. So I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to be praying about those things proactively and putting them in God's hands every day proactively so that I don't find myself waking up one day filled with anxiety and worry about those things. Would that be good? Dr. Wade, some preventative care, preventative measures are always better than having to treat disease once it's on the scene, right? Much better to eat right and exercise and and, and to do the things ahead of time before all of those diseases associated with this and inactivity uh, are on the scene, right? And so we, we do well to approach our spiritual care the same way. Uh, be mindful of those things that you tend to worry about and, and be proactive. Pray, worship, turn those things over to God. How did, how did the Lord teach us to close that model prayer in, in Matthew 6? How did he teach us to close it? Look down at, at verse 13, please. The second part of verse 13 says this, for, can, you read it, can we read it together? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What's that last word? Amen. Amen. So let it be. That sounds like worship, doesn't it? That's worship. And, and so... Just as Jesus taught us that, you know, a good prayer model is basically a, a sandwich with the bread being worship and our needs being the stuff that's between the two slices of bread, uh, I, I finally see here in Philippians 4 and verse 6, Paul's really teaching the same thing. Of course, he's not going to teach against what Christ taught. Christ is Savior. You come back here in verse 6, he says, Okay, be careful, be filled with care for no thing, nothing, but in everything, here's what you need to do. You need to pray, you need to worship, just as Jesus taught, and then make your supplication, give your specific requests, those things that you, you might be worried about or that you are worried about, and then do that. Don't forget to, to take time to be thankful as well. And if you're thanking the Lord for anything, uh, you're acknowledging 
his provision, his ability to do that, who he is and what he's like, and you're, you're worshiping him. You're necessarily worshiping the Lord. Um, well, praise God, that's, that's, what, that's what we're called to do. Um, does the Lord promise that if we will pray about worries and concerns this way, that he'll give us peace? Is there a promise here that he will do that? There is. Is he a God who keeps promises? If you're a visitor this morning, I'm going I'm to do this a lot. I always, I always ask you, raise your hand if God's ever broken a promise to you. You're just positive that God's broken a promise to you. Raise your hand. Come on, stick them up. None. Still, none. None. Andre, I, come on, man. Isn't, hasn't God ever broken a promise to you? He must have. No, he must not have because he's God and he doesn't do that. Amen. He just doesn't ever do that. He's a God who makes promises. He's able to keep those promises. He's faithful to keep those promises to his people. He always does. He'll, he'll never break his promise. So Paul is teaching us here that if we'll, if we'll do this, if we'll worship and then take our concerns to the Lord, uh, God, God, you're awesome. God, here's what I need. God, I'm so thankful that you're the God who you are. If we'll pray like that, uh, look at verse, what's the next verse, church? Seven. And, what does and do? Why is it there? Why is it there? It connects this, this promise very tightly to the previous verse. Uh, verse six is sort of the if. If you'll do this, verse seven is the then. If you'll do verse six, then. Uh, verse seven, and the peace, peace, peace of God, peace from God or of God, which passeth what? All understanding. There's a peace that's available from the Lord that's such a great and perfect peace that we can't even comprehend it. it it's beyond understanding. It passeth all understanding. It shall what? Shall keep your what? Heart and what? Through who? Who's going to do this? Christ Jesus. It's all about Christ. At, at the end of the day, the ability to know this peace is about Christ. It's for Christians, those that have come to Christ, place their faith in him. Uh, who will obey him to do the verse 6 thing. He blesses our obedience to do the verse 6 thing with this peace from God that he promises uh, here in verse 7. I want to ask you a question before we go on. Uh, I know I've taught, I've taught these two verses over and over, and, and if, if you come for counseling with your pastor and, and you're describing anything that sounds like anxiety, we're, we're going to go here again. I want to ask you this morning, um, have, have you... Have you experienced the truth of verses 6 and 7? Uh, have you experienced the truth of those two verses? Have, have you had specific things that you were concerned about? And, and you took it to the Lord and, and you said, Lord, you know, praise God for who you are. Lord, you know today that, that I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. Lord, I'm going I'm to give this to you in prayer. I'm going to make it known to you. And then I'm going to stop and I'm, I'm going to thank you, Father, that I can Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for making this promise to me. Thank you for being a God who, who, who promises peace if I'll just come prayerfully and, 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 and make these things known to you. And, and then you said amen, and, and pretty quickly you knew a peace that you did not have before. Have you, have you experienced that? I see hands. I, I see hands. And you have. If you've prayed, if you're a Christian, you know, not just someone who calls himself a Christian, but if you're a genuine Christian and, and you've been faithful to do verse 6, no doubt, no doubt you have a testimony that God was faithful to do verse 7. Praise God. He, praise God. Uh, he is a God that promises peace if we will pray the way that he teaches us to do that. Um, and so, uh, Lord, just help us. Lord, help us. Um, do, you, do you often, <laughs> let me say it differently, do, do you ever leave out the Thanksgiving part? Do you ever, you ever forget to do that sometimes? Um, do you ever do that? It's easy, to, it's easy to pray, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this, uh, making God sort of a Santa Claus-like figure. Uh, it's easy to do that, right? Um, it's, it's not as easy to stay in the business of worshiping and, and being thankful. Are we commanded over and over and over again in Scripture to be thankful? Um, are we? 
Why is it, church, that we, we are commanded over and over and over and over again to be thankful? Why does the Lord have to do that? I would submit to you that if it shows up over and over and over again, must be we have to be commanded over and over and over and over again. We have to be reminded because what? It's not a natural thing, right? Uh, we, we're not naturally good at that. Psalm 50 and verse 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving. Psalm 69 and verse 30, the psalmist says, I will praise the name of God with song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Uh, in Psalm 92, the psalmist says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Over and over and over and over again are these reminders to be thankful. Uh, we need to be reminded. Amen? We need to be reminded. Um, do you have some things this morning that you're thankful for? We had a number of testimonies on Wednesday night. Gentlemen, thank you. Those, those were wonderful. Um, no doubt you have things this morning that you're thankful for. Are you thankful for your salvation? Tell God that all the time. Are you thankful for his provision? Uh, food, clothing, and shelter. Tell the Lord all the time. Are you thankful for your church? Uh, visitors, we're not a perfect church, but we're trying to be a biblical church, and we're, we're trying <laughs> with the Lord's help with open Bibles. Uh, just thank the Lord for your church. Are you thankful for each other? You're thankful for each other? You get on each other's nerves sometimes, right? But you're thankful for each other? Uh, you're thankful for a church family who loves you? Uh, amen. Tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Be thankful. Be thankful. If we'll do this, we can know the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, which shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the right praying. That's the right praying. I want you to see the right, the right thinking also in verse 8. Uh, so often... We're given over to anxiety because we're not praying the way we should. Uh, and, and very often, another component of that is that we're just not focusing our minds on the things that our, mi our minds are to be focused on. You can focus on all the things that could happen. You know, I could get corona. I could get sick. This could happen. That could, uh, There's lots of things that, that could happen. Uh, but we're not, if that's a concern, pray, right? Give it over to the Lord, make it known to him, uh, and then train your attention onto those things that God teaches us and commands us uh, to think on. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 is this command from the Lord to uh, focus our attention on godly things rather than other things. Look at the end of verse 8, please, first. Look there first. The end of verse 8 says, what? It says think. What does it say? On these things. Okay, so think on these things. So whatever comes before that are the things that the Lord would have us to focus on. Um, well, let's read the verse. Verse 8 says, finally, brethren. Uh, why brethren? He's talking to save people, people who know Christ as their Savior. Finally, brethren. Uh, and here's this list of things that, that we're called to focus our, we're commanded to focus our thinking upon these things. He says, whatever, whatsoever things are what? Are God's words absolutely true? Over and over and over again, they're presented as absolute truth. They, they are absolutely equally true for all people of all time. There's nothing relative about that. The word of God is consistently presented as absolute truth, equally, totally relevant to all people of all time, no matter what, amen, period. That's a fact, right? Uh, the Spirit of God, we saw at 9 o'clock hours, Spirit of truth. He's the one that gave the words of truth. Uh, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, that would most certainly include the words of God. Whatsoever things are honest, uh, think on these things, the words of God that are true, uh, things, uh, the words of God that are honest. Whatsoever things are just, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure, uh, think on these things. Are the words of God pure? Oh, they absolutely are. Absolutely they are. Whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. Whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Uh, if there be any virtue, think on these things. If there be any praise or praiseworthiness, uh, think on these things. Does he, say, uh, does he say, you know, Christian, you do well to sit... Uh, in front of the TV and just worry about all the things that the news is spewing forth constantly, uh, the latest coronavirus numbers. By the way, those numbers are concerning, <laughs> right? They are concerning. And so we ought to make that a matter of prayer. 
uh, you know, we have over 90,000 people hospitalized in this country with coronavirus now. No matter what you think about coronavirus, that's a concerning number. Uh, and so we, we ought to make that a matter of prayer. We ought to continue to be careful, like we're trying to be in our church. But we shouldn't be given over to anxiety. It shouldn't be ruling our lives and uh, causing us to crumble in the corner, paralyzed by fear. No, we're going to give that over to the Lord and do our part to be prudent and wise and, and careful and, uh, and, and move on and continue focusing on the things of God and worshiping God and, and serving God and not letting uh, worry about things that could be distract us from these things. You understand this morning that the devil would love to distract us from the things of God uh, through uh, just encouraging our natural inclination to worry. Why is it that we worry so much? Why is it that you worry so much or that you're tempted to worry so much? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that? Why do we do that? Uh, why do we do that? Sometimes it's because we get a false sense of control when we give ourselves over to worry. If, if I'm thinking about it and focusing on it and worrying on it, I'm, I'm doing all I can to be in control of that situation. May I ask you a question this morning? Are we really in control of anything at all? Nothing. <laughs> no thing. Uh, are we, uh, do we know the one who is in control of everything? Amen. 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 And so... Focusing our minds on worrisome things doesn't make any sense. Focusing our minds on godly things is obedience and makes a great deal of sense. It is part of God's prescription for worry and anxiety and fear. Lord, help us to think on these things. And of course, there might be a number of things that would meet the criteria described in verse 8, but the Word of God certainly meets all of those criteria. Lord, help us stay focused on you and your words. Now listen, verses 6 and 7 talk about right prayer, and there's a promise associated with it. And verse 8 talks about right thinking, and that seems to be associated with that, with that same promise that we see in verse 7, peace. I want to ask you a question, though. Is there going to be any benefit from just knowing what those verses say? Um, Brother Art, you know what verses 6 and 7 say. Is just knowing that, is simply knowing that going to benefit you, or is it more that you've got to know those things and then do those things? It's the latter, isn't it? You can, know, you can memorize verses 6 and 7 and 8 and know them like nobody knows them. But unless we'll do them, uh, there is no benefit, right? There's not going to be the blessing of verse 7 uh, delivered from the Lord unless we do verses 6 and 8. It's just the way it is. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to do that with God's help, with his grace. Uh, and so verse 9 says this. It's no surprise. Verse 9 uh, says this, verse 9 says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what's the next word? You got to do it, <laughs> amen? That, that's the command. You can, you can study the Bible and read the Bible and know the Bible and you, you know, you could all day long every day, but unless you're going to take it up and, and say, Lord, help me to do these things, um, there's not, much, there's not much effect. This last part of verse 9 says, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's a promise too. That's a promise too. Do these things, you'll know the peace of God and the presence of God. The God of peace shall be with you. What do you do when, when you say, uh, or when you're tempted to say, God, I just, I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I can make a habit of praying like you commanded me to do in verse 6. I don't know if I can make a habit to do uh, this verse 8 thing, to retrain, retrain my mind and my attention off of worldly things and, and to put my mind and my attention back on you and, uh, and, and your words and, and, and godly things. What do you do if you feel like there's just no way that I can do that, church? What do you do? What do you do? Ask God. <laughs> Ask God. 
Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I'm going to need your grace. I'm going to need your help. I, I need to make a new habit about praying, about things I'm worried about. God, I need to make a new habit of where I focus my attention. Um, <laughs> listen, it's going to be very hard to do verse 8. May I go back there for a minute? Is that okay? Should we vote on that? <laughs> it's going to be very hard to do verse 8 if you allow constant distractions into your world. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's very hard to stay focused on the Lord if, if you allow constant distractions into your life. How do we do that? What are some of the ways that we allow constant distractions from God and his words into our lives? How do we do that? I don't have my cell phone in my pocket. But boy, <laughs> is that thing a distraction? Boy, uh, are, do, you, do you have the uh, feature on your phone that lets you see how much time you use your phone every day? Do you ever look at that? I looked at it recently, Pam, and, and I said, that can't possibly be. I said, if that's true, something is really wrong, and it, I'm going to be very convicted. And I'm searching, I'm Googling, how could that be? <laughs> is, is that real? Uh, it's real. <laughs> I pick that thing up and look at it constantly um, and check it constantly. You know what it is? It's just a bad habit. It's a bad habit. If the phone rings, if you call me, if I'm able to, I'm going to pick it up and answer it. Um, you know, but we're, we're in a habit of just checking these things constantly. And it, it, it does become a bad habit, and it crowds out many minutes and sometimes a number of hours of our time throughout our day. Someone's saying, you know, I'm on there, Pastor, but I'm looking at my Bible app. I say praise God. Uh, I say, I'll say praise God, but it'd probably be even better to have a paper Bible and, and your phone in another room, <laughs> probably because what happens when you're on your Bible app? Uh, alerts start coming in, right? Uh, the news alerts and a text and you don't want to be distracted by someone texting you from the church right now that's fine but you know what i mean though it's it's hard to stay focused it's hard to stay focused with all the distractions coming in uh it's hard to stay focused on god and things of god with tv on all day you just can't you just can't your focus will necessarily be be somewhere else lord help us lord help us to put off some of these modern habits that we've developed of being distracted by technology and Lord to just give our attention more fully over to you how much better off would we be spiritually and emotionally if we crowded out some of the technology and some of the media and, and, and just try to preserve more of our day for God and for prayer and for his words am I saying you can't have any of that stuff no I'm not you have to be careful with it. You have to be careful with it. But how much better off, how much better off would we be? I'm going to go just a little bit further here this morning. Let's go just a little bit further. I want you to see Paul's response to God's provision for him. And, you know, this is, this is another area where I think we could, we could apply it right to what do we do about anxiety? What do we do about worry? Uh, Paul, Paul took time to to practice what he preached, right? To do what he wrote under inspiration. He was a man who, who took time to be thankful uh, for God's provision. And, and you see this here. He didn't just say, hey, you need to pray uh, and be thankful. He, you see that. You see him doing, verse 9, doing uh, what he said, what the Lord gave him to give to us. He actually practices. Look at, look at verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Well, that verse may be a little bit challenging in its structure, but what's he saying? He's saying to the church at Philippi that he was grateful for their support, for their provision. There had evidently been uh, a time or times when they had not been faithful uh, in that regard, uh, but now they are. They, they've started to uh, support him again. Uh, funds have been sent uh, to support him uh, in his ministry, and, and he's taking time to rejoice in the Lord. What's the next word there toward the beginning of verse 10? He's taking time to rejoice in the Lord what? Greatly. Great. It's not a casual thing. 
Uh, he said, I, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly uh, at their care, their, their support for him, which seemed to be the thing. He's, he's taking time uh, to be thankful, and he's, he's given a testimony that, hey, I, I rejoice the Lord greatly. He's, he's thankful. He's rejoicing. Um, Paul goes on in verses 11, 12, and 13. He writes about uh, contentment, and these are verses that are familiar to us. He talks about how he has learned to be content uh, with God's provision. And, you know, if you can do that, uh, a lot of our anxiety and, and fear and, and worry goes away as well. God's promised to meet our basic needs, and so often we're, we're discontented because we're looking for more uh, than that, and there's worry and anxiety and fear about not having what we want rather than rejoicing in the fact that God's been faithful to give us what we actually need. Learning to be content, seeking God's help to do that is a big part of the answer here. See verse 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? To be content, uh, to be satisfied, to be happy with God's provision. Uh, it's so hard. It's so hard at times to be satisfied uh, but if, if, if you can say, Lord, help me, help me not to be discontented. Uh, Lord, I, I understand it's so important to be content, uh, to be, <laughs> if you'll rejoice as Paul did at God's provision uh, and his giving of enough to meet our needs, that's going to be part of the description to avoid being discontent. Focus your mind on gratitude and praising God for what he has provided uh, that'll crowd out of our minds the inclination to be discontented. You can't be praising God for providing what we need and at the very same time be dissatisfied. Amen? You can't be. So if you'll occupy yourself with praising God for his provision, that's going to help crowd out the tendency, the natural tendency, to be discontented. Pastor, I can't do that. Great, stop and pray. Lord, help me to be content and to focus myself on praising you for your provision of what I really need and, and, and help me to, as I focus on that to crowd out the discontentment. Paul says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased, how to have little, and I know how to abound, how to have a lot. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound uh, and to suffer need. Paul's instructed of the Lord. He understands us to be content, to be satisfied uh, with God's provision, but to stay focused on looking to the Lord for his provision. You thank God for what he's given, what he's provided, but continue looking to him and asking him uh, to continue providing. Again, a big part of the uh, prescription for avoiding anxiety about these things. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And as you know, that's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Uh, I fear that often we take it out of context and apply it in ways that perhaps we should not. But uh, certainly this is a great truth in context. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He can do what God has given him to write down in this chapter because he has Christ who strengthens him to do that. Do you have Christ? Do you have Christ? Well, you have what you need to be faithful and obedient uh, to this passage as well. Let's, let's look at a couple more verses and, and we're done. Verse 14, he says, Notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate, give, uh, he says, with my affliction. Verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me. He means no church supported him uh, with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Uh, for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He's grateful uh, he's grateful for their support. I have letters that I've received this week from our missionaries about uh, their gratitude for our support and some extra support that we've sent uh, recently. None of them are crying. We don't have enough. They're, they're, they're not sending letters begging. They're sending letters thanking us. They're focused on the Lord's provision and their gratitude for what God has provided. Praise God. That, that's a good example. Look at verse 18. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, we saw him before, the things 
which were sent from you. Evidently, Epaphroditus had carried the, uh, the offering, the, the missionary support to Paul. He calls it an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He's focused not on his situation and the difficulties that he's faced as a missionary um, and one who has faced great difficulties. He's not focused on that. He's focused on his gratitude for their provision to him. Uh, is God meeting your needs, church? Is he meeting your needs? Do you sometimes wish you had more? Sure, <laughs> but sure, sure we do. But let's stay focused. Let's choose to stay focused on our gratitude for what God has provided. That'll help us so much. It'll, it'll help crowd out the anxieties. It will help crowd out discontentment. I want to just make one observation here in verse Verse 17 and 18, and, and I promise we'll stop here. Yeah, sure, Pastor. No, we will. We will. Um, what was Paul's chief motivation for desiring support from the Philippian church? What was his chief motivation for desiring support from them? You could say, well, he, he needed support. Well, that's a fact. Uh, we know he was a tent maker. He, he, um, he had some ability to support himself. We also know he was in a difficult situation now, and um, additional support was, was needed. What was his chief motivation for desiring support from them? Was it just that his needs would be met, or was it something else? Well, sure, his needs had to be met, but, but look again at verse 17 he says regarding their giving to him he says not because i desire a gift he wasn't sitting there being discontented with the support that he had he wasn't sitting there being discontented about what god had provided to him he says not because i desire a gift but so there's something different grammatically but i desire what fruit that may what abound to what your account to your account he's not saying hey i just desire whatever i can get he, he had needs and he trusted god to meet them he had learned how to have much he'd learned how to have little but no matter what he was looking to the lord and he had chosen to be content and he chose to praise god and, and rejoice um, his real motivation for desiring that the church at philippi would be faithful to give to him was, he says, so that fruit would abound to their account. His real desire at, at the end of the day was that God would bless them for being faithful to him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Uh, he's not, this is the opposite of greed, amen? He's not writing and saying, hey, you guys just need to send more, you need to step it up, what's, what's going on? No, he acknowledges there were times where they weren't faithful, uh, and he acknowledges it would be better for them to be faithful but not so that he could have all the things he wanted or a big bank account or, or whatever, but so that God would bless their faithfulness. That's just awesome. That's just awesome. I don't like to talk about money a lot in church. Visitors, we, I, I'm just not comfortable with that. Uh, I've mentioned um, giving a couple of times recently because God has blessed us um, unusually a couple of times recently. Um, but I, I, will, I will say this also. Um, you don't have to raise your hand, but just stop and think about this. Um, has God blessed you for being a faithful giver? Has he blessed you for being a faithful giver? <laughs> is it sometimes hard to give faithfully? Yes, it is, because it's a trial of faith, right? If I give the way I know I should, according to Scripture... You know, I wonder, will, I, will my needs be met, <laughs> right? That's the trial of faith. Um, God ever let you down? No, <laughs> no. Uh, Paul's desire is that they would give as God led them to give. This is not tithing, but this would be offerings as the Lord had led them to give, and that God would bless them for that. Do we preach a health and wealth gospel here? No, I don't think I've ever done that, have I? But at the same time, do we preach that God blesses faithfulness? Yes, we do, because that's biblical. Does God have a formula? No, I don't believe he does. But 
there is a recurring principle throughout Scripture that God may chasten us for our disobedience. He may correct us, but also he, he may bless us for our obedience. And that, that was Paul's desire. Paul's desire was that the Lord would bless them for their faithfulness to him. Does God do that? Absolutely. Um, do we worry sometimes that if we give according to God's principles that um, our needs won't be met? Yes, we do. If that's a worry, if there's anxiety about that, if there's fear about that, what should we do based on verses, well, based on verse 6? What should we do? Pray. pray. <laughs> Lord, you're a good God. Worship him. Uh, and, and then pray, Lord, I'm concerned that if I, if I tithe and give offerings to support missionaries, whatever it is that you lead me to do, Lord, I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about uh, my needs being met practically. You give that over to the Lord, and you just stop, and, and you worship him again. That'd be an example of something that needs to be plugged back into verses 6, 7, and 8. And we can. We can. God ever answered that kind of prayer for you? Me too. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your words. Probably tried to cover too much ground this morning, but uh, Father, I thank you so very much that um, your words are true. And Lord, you have anticipated all the worries and struggles that we face, and you have given us the instruction that we need to deal with those things. Father, I pray this morning that you help us to be not just knowers of your words, but doers of your words. Lord, we understand this morning, we know this morning that there are things that we are tempted to worry about. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning that you've instructed us on how to deal with those things. Lord, I pray now that If there's things that we need to give over to you this morning, worries, fears, anxieties, Lord, that we do that even now. Lord, of course, we'll, we'll take time this morning to worship you and praise you for being the God who is able to answer these prayers and who is able to crowd out anxiety with peace. God, you alone can do that. Lord, I don't know what may be on the hearts of every individual this morning, but certainly you do. Lord, I pray again that we just take a moment now and turn those things over to you with thanksgiving, with the wonderful gratitude that we can, that you've called us to, and that you give us grace to do just that. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can because of Christ and the cross. Thank you so much for a Savior who makes these things possible. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I'll give you a moment to pray, and we'll close.